let's just let's just set this up where we are here. I don't know how to. I don't know I how don't, to do that. I don't know how to do this either. So Chris and I are both um, slightly inebriated. <laughs> We're in my apartment. We've just watched Problem Child two. Um, he's made. He's made it's Friday night. Friday night. He's he's. I don't really want to say that out loud. That it's because pandemic is over and it's not an excuse for two men. There's no excuse anymore for two men to be in an apartment together watching, watching Problem, Problem Child, Child 2 for their yeah. podcast. <laughs> the, the pandemic... We definitely could have been out somewhere doing something for yeah. sure. Yeah. And instead, we are still behaving as if it's oh, the pandemic. God. And I left and my wife at home with looking after... I mean, she's not looking after the baby because she's asleep, but she like has to be there in case of an emergency. It is no longer justifiable to spend <laughs> weekends alone watching Problem oh Child. And you're too. in a relationship too, so like, yeah. you know. And I have this dog, which you have made amazing friends with this evening, with the exception of a couple okay. instances. It's just when I'm too tall and scary yeah. which you when know, you move around she she right, growls a little when bit I stand up and exactly. right now she's she's biting herself so we're gonna take a break yeah, so okay. so you can feel oh my god hey, he's now putting the blanket on top of the dog in the most loving and caring way you've ever seen like the dog is a sick five-year-old child and it is working, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. The dog is lying still. She's got the blanket on top of her. She's not biting the thing she's not supposed to bite. She trusts me implicitly. I've never experienced anything like this. Well, I, if you can think clearly, nobody's going to trust you implicitly, Ricky. So it has to be some kind of animal. Like... <laughs> A great place to live. A great place to play. A great place to raise a kid. But not this kid. That's right. Junior's back. And this time, you little psycho. He has a problem. So we've just finished watching Problem Child 2, which we felt like it was important to watch together and to get drunk while doing because Problem Child 1, for you uh, 30 years later heads out there, was such a big episode. Not for us as a show where people listen to it, but for For us us personally personally, because... (laughs) We were slightly traumatized by it. Well, not I look. You're you're completely off base, Ricky. It was a very big. It's a big deal for the show, but it's because of the way you have read into Problem Child One as being this kind of like subversive masterpiece. You're fond of saying it's like a John Waters movie. Well, it's like if John Waters did a kids movie. I feel like already you're backpedaling. Well, <laughs> like no, that's after. what I've always said. I've said if it's like if John Waters did a kids movie. I think that as much as I have. You disagreed with my idea that Problem Child Two was some sort of Problem subversive. Child One. Tra- Problem, Problem Child, Child One was some sort of subversive masterpiece. Upon watching Two, yes, yes, you've uh, kind of agreed yes. with me. Yes, I think compared to Problem Child Two, yes, Problem Child One is a subversive masterpiece. Right. Um, 
mean, this well, is many, we've is, talked why, about this Why many is times. that though? Why do you think that? Why? Well, because problem twelve one at least comes from some kind of like unified point of view, and it's like it's a kind of dark. It's it's got the orphanage stuff, and the the child is junior. He's very damaged, and he's very manipulative, and he's you know. And then also the all the adults are living in this kind of horror scape where they all hate each other and they hate their lives. And he befriends us. He's obsessed with a serial killer. And he's obsessed with a serial killer played by the great Michael Richards. Ooh, you know, you don't hear from him lately. That. I don't know why. Do, do you know what happened to him, Ricky? Like, he seems like he would be great to have around these days. From what I understand, he did a masterful comedy set. <laughs> and it just didn't go over well in our cancel culture. Oh, I missed this. I totally missed this. I just don't know what you're talking about. But, um... Yeah, so all that's going on in the first movie. And the second movie is just like we were saying, it's like somebody, the writing process was just standing in front of a whiteboard and being like, okay, like, uh, what are some hijinks? What are some hijinks a kid would do? <laughs> it's like, okay, you flush a firework down the toilet. Okay, that's one thing. Uh, I mean, it's more like we need, it's like on the whiteboard, it was like, what do we need? We need poop, fireworks, puke, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that was it, right? <laughs> And and then they just wrote around big, those There's got to be a big puke scene. There's got to be a big poop scene. Maybe we could like do kind of a callback to the poop scene. Like I think we okay. I think we have to start with the yeah, ending should, of Problem yeah. Child too. But maybe also we'll do a quick. Uh, you want to like introduce a the quick concept introduction. of the uh, so even of the show? Do you, <laughs> yes, uh, this is the show called Thirty Years Later that a few of you <laughs> at most listen to every now and then, but yeah. we keep doing. According to the, according to ACAST, it's more than a few. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and today we are watching Problem Child 2, which came out this week in 1991. And um, it stars John Ritter and that little redhead kid uh, whose name I can't be bothered to remember. He's one of these up. people who like ran away from show business after these movies, right? Rightfully so. <laughs> movie was shot in Orlando. Everybody should run away from Orlando. It's, it says, it's, I, I said this earlier, but literally it says in the credits, shot entirely at Orlando Studios, Florida. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> That's like a place, that is like the children's playground of Hollywood <laughs> That in terms of like where they, where the creeps went. <laughs> right? Like that's where like the guy who produced like new kids and, Everybody, that's where he was hanging out. That, yeah, that, that, like so. You mean literally a children's playground? Like, yes. Yeah. Like exactly. a terrifying place. Um, and it also stars Amy Yazbek, who played the terrible wife in the first one, but plays in this one the lovable love interest and right, mother of yeah. other problem child, <laughs> aka problem child two. Problem child T O O. Yeah, exactly. In this one, um, and she's the nurse of the school, and she's very cute. And John Ritter, for whatever reason, takes time to find out that he likes her because he continue he pursues or gets pursued by this wealthy woman in the in in the the new town that they've moved to. Now, that's something that we should talk about. Why John Ritter is being pursued by this wealthy woman? Oh, wow. It doesn't really make sense. But I think we should start from the end because that's <laughs> where we were. That's the one part of the movie that we rewound. Um, because oh no, that was like, there were two parts of the movie that we we rewound, rewound, yes. and that was one of them. And the other one was when Junior calls the other little girl a bitch. He said, "I believe he says the bitch must die in voiceover," which we were saying meant that they were editing the movie and they were like, "We need to add something in here. We need this child to say the bitch must die." He chases the other little girl who is no older than six. He's much younger than him, much much younger, into a bathroom and says. The bitch must die. <laughs> I mean, okay, like 
you know, okay, maybe I'm one of these millennial snowflakes, Ricky, but I don't like when you say about a five-year-old girl, the bitch must die. I mean, am I being crazy here? Like, who is this movie for at that point? Because I will say, I, as a child, I don't think I felt comfortable speaking like that. I don't think I would Like, all of the gross-out hijinks in the movie, sure. Right, and there's a lot, which you have them. This is what, what we were getting to. Which this we is what we were to. aiming to. But, like, but like those can be for kids. But for, for the child to walk into a, a girl's bathroom and say the bitch must die feels much more deep-seated than, like, any of the gross-out well, It's a little bit back towards the first movie where he is obviously, like, something is wrong. You know, like, he is... Yeah, this little girl who, again, is no older than five or six has flicked him off at school. So he chases her into the girl's room. He's punching his hand and thinking to himself, the bitch must die. Yeah. Wild. Wild stuff, right. I don't think I, at that age, ever... Because he's supposed to be a third grader. Which is, like, eight years old. I had a foul mouth as a child. Because all my neighbors were older than me. Mm-hmm. They were all older boys, and they were all teaching me curse words. And, and you were stuff. in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so, of course, yeah. I had like a foul mouth even as a child. And so I get it. But I, I, I don't think I ever, as a third grader, <laughs> thought of another girl in school as a bitch. I don't I think have... I saved that for adulthood. And you think it, you say it all the time right now. But, Yo, it, but back then, the I guess you never really talked like that. Now, I have a vivid memory of being in like second grade and I was trying to I was trying to tell my parents about a Wizard of Id comic that I had read and it was about playing the dice game craps and I was trying to say it to them without saying crap because I thought crap was too bad of a word you to say to my parents. You weren't allowed to say crap and to your parents? Well, they they said they were like what the, what the fuck they were like what are you doing? Like you you just say you're not saying craps like what is wrong with you? Um, no, I was allowed to do it. I just felt like it was too bad of a word. I think it's. We've talked many times about how I'm a good boy, Ricky. Like I, I'm a very good boy. I was I a problem child. I didn't want to say crap to my parents. I was a problem child in the way that, like, I was generally okay and good, but I had a foul mouth and I liked to stir trouble. I like to stir the pot. I like to stir the pot and cause a little trouble. Oh, Ricky, that's such bad boy behavior. I got into a lot of fist fights and like. <laughs> The fifth and sixth grade, and then I never fought again. You got into, quote-unquote, a lot of fistfights in fifth grade. Yeah. That was my big year of fighting, was fifth grade. Why? Why was that your big year of fighting? Um, well, uh, okay. Uh, wait, 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 can I ask first? Can I ask first? Did you go to school somewhere where middle school started in sixth grade? or fifth. was Middle school was fifth through eighth. Oh, okay, all right. And the summer before my first semester in fifth grade first year in fifth for whatever i don't just don't think that kids call them semesters you know so like and in, in, in florida we call them nine weeks you call them nine weeks yeah instead of semesters that's what you got you got like nine in week Massachusetts, report cards. we call them nine and a half weeks <laughs> you're fucking sexy as hell Ricky. <laughs> no so the first one was and i was right to get i didn't get beat up but i was i if i had been i would it would have been right to beat me up but um it was the summer just before fall of fifth grade, and we, my friends and I were walking around the neighborhood, and um, we walked by a handicapped girl, and my friend did oh, an no. impression of her to us after we walked by, Here. and her brother heard it, and he got mad, rightfully so, and he went and got a bunch of his friends, oh, and no. they chased us to my, my house in the neighborhood. And we didn't run, 
But like we got to my house and then all of a sudden they showed up on their bikes and there was three of us and like five of them and a lot of them were much older and they were bad. They were actual bad kids. Like they had knives on them and stuff. And like um, so they had knives. Yeah, they showed me their knives. But they sent I was the only one who stepped up and was kind of like, if you guys want to fight, like who's going to fight me? And like they sent the other youngest of them to me to fight me. <laughs> Because they could see I was smaller. And, I mean, there was just like a code, I guess. I don't know. And they said, they, he, he got off his bike to fight me. And my babysitter was watching from the doorway. And my friends were watching me. And this kid came to fight me and I beat his ass. And like, they kind of like let it go. And like, kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say they respected me. Because everyone's like a kid. So it's not like it was like a respect kind of thing. But like, they did, no one fought after that. And like that kid when I got to middle school this is, this was, is just it, this is amazing to hear about Ricky that it kid really when, is when I got to middle school was like fine with me but then when I got to middle school there were these other kids and I just thought I was a tough guy like my dad was a tough guy and from a young age he would tell me stories of fighting so I had like a tough guy idea of myself this even at a young age you're eight years old no um, fifth grade yeah that's like eight years no, old that's like eleven no, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's like 10 or 11. Fourth fifth grade, grade. Oh, no. Fifth grade is like 10. You're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're 10. You're 10, 10 or 11. Yeah, 10 much or more 11. mature. Yeah. Much more mature. No. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole different thing. I'm sorry. I apologize. So then so then in fifth grade, there was some kid named Eric Boyer who who kept uh, like trying, like uh, me and him kept making fun of each other. <laughs> Chris, you're laughing. I'm just laughing. It just struck me how far off the reservation we are, like yeah. how quickly. But please continue because I'm interested to hear about it. And we kept like making fun of each other, and then he came up and start like started to fight me, and I pushed him, and he pushed me back, and then he punched me in the face a bunch of times, and I just knocked him on the ground and started kicking him, and then it got broken up. But I got him on the ground. So I thought that I won, and uh, the, I got sent to the principal's office, and the principal came, and my or my parents came, and my parents got into the office, and they got you know told that I had gotten into a fight, and then when we left the principal's office, my dad pulled me aside, and he said, "Who started the fight?" And I said, "He did," and my dad said, "Who won?" He asked, "Who won?" And I said, "I did." He goes, "That's right," and that was the end of the conversation. Ricky, I just can't believe this is your real life. And then it's I just... didn't get grounded. <sighs> And then there was another fight where I feel like I got, I actually got beat up, but I don't remember it that well. Cause oh, I don't that's think I pretty got, convenient. It is convenient. You have a, you have a very long detailed story about every time you want to fight, but the, you're like, also I think there was this like six or seven times where I totally got my ass kicked, but I don't remember those so well. <laughs> I, realize, I realize it's convenient, but I think, I think it's more that like it got broken up before it could have gotten bad, but the other guy got, the other kid got more hits in before me. I don't actually remember the well. I just know that there were two fights in fifth grade, and then I didn't fight really again. And then there was an incident in New York when I first moved here, a couple incidents, but I never really fought in them. They just almost became fights. And, like, one of them I had to talk myself out of because it was two guys who were, like, just so much bigger than me and were going to beat the ever-living shit out of me. And they kept hitting me, and I kept stopping them from hitting me after they would do it because they would knock my glasses off. You're and like, whoa, whoa, guys, yeah. please. No, that's exactly what I would do. The one would slap me, and it would knock my glasses off, and I would pick the glasses. And like, I really pathetically? You're like, <laughs> No, no, I wouldn't do that. I would, that's not what it was. It was actually much more interesting than that. Like, my glasses would get slapped off, and I would be like, wait a minute, stop. And I would put my hand up, and they would literally stop, like fists in the air. 
And then I would pick my glasses up and I'd be like, I don't want to fight because they were so big. <laughs> they were so big. Where, where was Greenpo- this? It was in Greenpoint and there were two like big fucking Polish like kids. Like two big Polish guys. Yeah, who drove by in a Hummer and my friend like hit their Hummer and made fun of it as they drove by. Mm. And then my friend left and I had to wait for another kid to come out of the party who I brought to the party. And then the guys had parked their Hummer and came back already oh and they went after me. Mm. And, then, and then after they went after me, they actually went after a guy who's been a guest as a, a guest on our show, <laughs> whose name will go unmentioned. Oh my God! Well, I want to hear about it later, please. They, they, when they decided not to beat me up because I kept stopping them, they hit me twice, <laughs> and then after the second time, I was like, "Enough, enough!" And then they just kind of backed off, <laughs> and then they walked, and, they, and then they walked over to the guy who's been a, a guest on our show, head butted him. He had nothing to do with anything. They headbutted him and threw him to the ground. And then he got up and ran away screaming. I didn't have anything to do with it. Leave me alone. And that's the last fight that I got into. There was another incident where I tried to get into a fight because I was like kind of broken hearted and I was in a bar. And this kid who was like smaller than me kind of got in my way at the pool table. And I was just like in a very aggressive state. And like... He he did something that I didn't like, like threw my quarters on the ground or like moved them out of the way, and I you know got in the way and I like got either in, he threw them on the ground or he just kind of like touched them a little bit. I don't know, one of those things. Yeah, and I got in his face and I said some really nasty shit and I kind of was like trying to get him to fight me and he did he wouldn't do it and that's the last time that I've come close to any kind of fight. But that was like weeks ago. So that was a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah no, no, that was like that was probably ten years ago. No, yeah. I mean a fight, Ricky. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. The only. The only the how, but how often do you fantasize about fighting? About fighting? I really don't, don't fantasize really? about fighting. I fantasize. Oh my about god! Life. I fantasize about fighting all the I time. Believe it, a hundred percent that you do. Yeah. It's but just in my bones. Baby. I just don't think about other people that much. You know. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm like Gina Davis in the Long Kiss Goodnight. Like I've got it in my bones, and like it's eventually I'm gonna like it's, it's gonna all gonna out. come out while I'm yeah. like cutting carrots. I'm gonna be like God. I'm I'm, I'm fucking. I'm an amazing fighter, and I'm going to beat the shit out of my husband. No, I don't. Preferably I, husband and not girlfriend or wife. <laughs> you know what I do do, though? Uh, what I do all the time is I get in screaming f- matches with people, and I just scream at them. That's true, you do. I, I never do that. I do that all the time to complete strangers. And I sometimes do it like I'm a superhero. Like, I do it virtuous on behalf of other people because things need to be said, you know, and something has to happen. Oh, that's interesting. See, I'll get in the way. I'll get in between and then try to, like, talk it out or at least like, try to, like, ground everything and calm mm-hmm. it. But I won't scream anymore. Like, I had a screaming match the other night. I told you about this. Yes, yes, yes. And, like, my whole thing was, like, I just let the person scream at me. And then eventually it was, like, okay, I hope this is over. Like, you need to go now. Yeah, the the most recent, like, really good example of this is uh, this is maybe, like, three years ago, maybe. Uh, I had visited my wife who works in Dumbo and I was taking a cab home and we were stuck in this crazy traffic in Dumbo for a really long time. Crazy, crazy traffic. And so we're, and the cabbie's like leaning out the window. Everybody's leaning out the window because there's just the cars aren't moving. And I say to my Uber driver, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go check to see what's going on. And I walk to the front and there's some guy who has a BMW, whatever, fine, it's a BMW. And he's like parked in this one lane street in Dumbo, like completely blocking all the traffic. And he's just leaning against it with his arms crossed. And I come to find out what's happened is somebody took a parking spot that he wanted 
and he thinks it was his parking spot, so he's just parked the car in the middle of the road and is just having an argument with this guy. But by the time I get there, the argument is, like, at this stage where he's like, well, I'm just going to sit here, and, like, I don't even care. And, like, everybody's beeping, and he's like, I don't even give a shit. So I came up, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You have to fucking move your car right now. Do you see how many people are here? We're trying to get home to our families, you piece of shit. And, like, I started screaming at him. And then he was kind of just being like, well, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to move my car. I don't care. I don't care. And I'm screaming. And then everybody on the sidewalk got in on my side. And they were like, yeah, move your fucking car, you asshole. What's wrong with you? And he's like, I'm not going to move it. I'm not going to move it. And, and then if, eventually there's like 10 people all yelling at him. He actually had his child in the back seat in a car seat, which I know because I was getting so fucking worked up that I... You threatened to kill his child. No, he had left the keys in the car, and I just... Walk, I opened the door and sat down in the driver's seat. I was just going to move his car. What? And everybody on the sidewalk started going like, oh, no, don't, because this kid is in there. That's psychotic. Well, he was like, you know, he wouldn't move his fucking car, Where'd Ricky. Go? Where'd he go? He was just standing around. But And you went in the car? And what do you do when you went in the car? Really, he would Nothing. Did he see you? Yeah, he, of course he saw I was screaming at him, yeah. From inside his car, you were yes. screaming at him? <laughs> yes. And he didn't scream at you for no, being in his car? No, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He was just like, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move. This is an insane person <laughs> that you were dealing with. If you, like, I would never get to that point <laughs> with my car. I mean, this was a completely crazy situation. But I would never get to that point with my car. But if somebody got into my car. With your child. With my in- child in I would reach into the car and start pulling them out of it. No, I would be anything. I would be livid. I mean, the long story short, I won, and he moved the car. You know, I continued yelling at him, and he moved the car. And then, like, people were, like, cheering, and it was I was like a hero. It was amazing. I mean, there is something so deep-rooted in the pathology of his ego yeah. to not even care that you got in the car. <laughs> That's right. Because it's just about him being able to stand there and say, I'm not moving the car. Right. It was like, I've been wronged. This is mine, and I'm not going to give in no matter what. You know, like that was what he was trying to prove. Once again, this is 30 years later. We're talking about the movie Problem Child, Problem Child 2. 2. Came out in 1991. The thing about Problem Child 2 is that I believe it came out uh, within a week or two of... Uh, um, it came out really the same... We're doing this... It came out the same weekend as Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And we're doing we're publishing this the week before because why on earth... Would you talk about anything the yeah. week that Terminator 2 Judgment Day came out other than Terminator 2 Judgment Day? We are not that contrarian. We are not <laughs> that brave. I mean, we are I going mean, to be doing Terminator 2 Judgment Day next week with uh, film programmer Steve McFarlane. Uh, but there's no reason to talk about Problem Child 2 against that. We just felt that responsibility dictated that we needed to find time to talk about problems. Given the status of this show in, in our collective unconscious, Ricky, like we had to, we had to talk about problem child too. And what's funny about us feeling responsible to do that within 25 minutes of recording this, we've maybe spent two talking about problem. (laughs) That's how responsible we feel. All right. So do you want to talk about, do you want to like very quickly run over the plot of problem child too? Yeah, I'll try it. I'll try it. Uh, so, we pick up after the first movie left off, and Ben and Junior are 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 are, are very close at this point. We open mm-hmm. with them on a road trip where we see how close they are, 
and then they move to a new town, and in this new town, it somehow which is... It's called Mortville, by the way, which mean, Mort, of course, means death in French, so it's a very odd choice. But it has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, For a while, I was wondering if everyone in the town was dead. Well, and, I mean, know. it's a good thing to wonder because there's no husbands, <laughs> but it's apparently the, divu- the divorcee capital of the country somehow, and all these women are crazy for John Ritter. I mean, this is like an insane... Like the most insane thing about the movie is... Yes. And no offense to John Ritter, R.I.P. a fine-looking person, literally a movie star. A I mean, fine-looking you know. person. Movie star, I would say, <laughs> I don't know. He has literally appeared in movies. Yes. Yeah. These women go bananas for John Ritter. They line up outside the house to bring him a pie. I mean... I mean, they are... When he drives into town, there's literally maybe... 30 women gathered on one lawn. Gushing. They all go, a new man? Look at this beefcake. Just gushing for him. And then a rich woman, the richest woman in town who owns a bank, sees him and decides that she's going to do everything that she can to marry him. And she is a pretty evil woman. So it doesn't make sense why she would attach herself to this guy who, as far as we know... His only he doesn't really have a job. He doesn't have a job. He's, He's there applying for a loan to at the start bank. a business. And I don't even what is the business? <laughs> it's non-specific. It doesn't ever come up. I'm pretty sure she the 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 loan officer is like, "What do you want to do?" And he's like, "I want to start a business." <laughs> yes. And like that's all that we get. <laughs> Yet the woman who owns this bank is like who speaks in a Tennessee Williams style <laughs> yes. like uh, accent, like glass menagerie is like. That is a hunk of a man. Ooh, ooh. Listen to him. I think I found husband number six. And I don't understand uh, where that accent comes from because nobody else in the nobody movie has a southern accent. Like where is she from? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Junior, on the other hand, is, is in the third grade, but he skipped to the sixth because uh, somehow Gilbert Gottfried, who used to be the adoption, uh, uh, the foster home, person who ran the foster home, is now the principal of this school. I'm sorry, Ricky. I'm going to need you to tell me his exact job title again. Director I don't think I quite di- got director it. Director of that. foster care. <laughs> uh, and he is now the principal of the school, and he hates Junior, and he's oh. yelling and everything. In his first scene, he's like, I'm a principal now. It's great because I hate kids. And if I tell them to jump out of a window, they will. <laughs> Literally what he says. And they go, Yes, principal. <laughs> And so then, uh, and then, and then Junior comes in. And he goes, oh, "I hate you. I'm gonna skip you to the sixth grade. So next year you're in a different school. I'll only have to deal with you for one year." Which is like, why don't you just skip him to seventh so you never have to deal with him? I don't understand. There's obviously nobody is reviewing these decisions. And like, then, you know, and then Junior gets to the sixth grade and immediately meets a kid that doesn't like him. Some, some, uh, and I'm gonna speak. Uh, <laughs> In the terms of the movie. Uh-huh. Right? I'm terrified so the, of what you're about to say, These are not Ricky. the terms of now. Uh-huh. These are not the PC terms of now. <laughs> these are these are the the thoughts of the movie. Uh-huh. There is a fat piece of shit yeah. in this sixth grade class who has stayed back multiple times and, and is an idiot because he's fat and is fat because he's an idiot. And then he is like, the actor is obviously like 25 or yeah. something. Yeah. And he hates Junior and Junior immediately tricks him into... Something that doesn't make any sense. He 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 somehow tapes this kid who is much bigger to him, bigger than him to the wall, and then the kid throws a satellite dish on Ben, and Ben survives. 
Um, and then they meet again. Literally, I, his head pokes through the satellite dish mesh, and he goes, Ow. Ouch! And then falls over. <laughs> like, what we should say about this kid is that he's kind of the best person in the movie. <laughs> oh, I, is there a particular thing he does that you like, Ricky? I'd yeah, love to hear about it. Yeah, there's a scene where Junior and um, Ben... We should talk about how There's so many things. like how much of yeah. a loser Ben is at one point. We'll talk about Big Ben, the father, and that. But they go to the. Amusement I do love park. that you're calling him by his character name and not John Ritter. Like that's a you're really committing to the uni- the world this movie's been building. Like, what can I say? I know this world. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, they go to the amusement park and there's a ride that Junior can't get on because he's he's like just under the cutoff. And Ben does not stick up for him because Ben is a fucking emasculated loser, whether he has a woman doing that to him or not, which was the excuse in the first movie, which was that his his wife right. emasculates him. In this movie, there's no excuse. And he's just is he's just, he's just is a, a beta, punk. you know, he's just a beta. Yeah. I mean he, he does, does when the guy won't hit his son on the ride, he goes like, Come on, let's get out of here. But what he doesn't do is go like let him on the fucking ride, yeah, you he asshole. Like, Come you know? on, he's not that—he's not that short. Just let him on the ride. We're gonna go together. It's who cares? You know, I'll be the right there. The other guy could say like, "Hey, man, it's not my fault. It's a safety precaution. Like, I can't let him on the ride. He could get hurt." And at which point, it's like an ag- an agreement. Like, okay, fine, okay, let's go, fine, Junior. Right, like, I'm yeah. sorry, you can't go on the ride. But instead, nobody knows how to talk to each other. It's actually like probably a very uh, right on uh, true depiction <laughs> of men in the '80s, to be honest. Uh, but Anyway, Junior can't get on the ride, and then he watches as all of his enemies from school get on the ride, this being the fat bully, this being the little girl who is his nemesis, who he calls a bitch at one point. But when the bully gets on the ride, he looks at Junior and makes fun of him. In a, he's very silly looking. He's just greasy as all hell. It's like they lathered this fat kid in Crisco before getting him on camera every time. And like... And then, oh like, and then, and then the kid stands in front of the height sign that Junior couldn't, that like said Junior couldn't get on the ride, which is a big octopus with a tentacle that sticks out for like the specific height. And the kid, the fat kid, makes fun of Junior, and then he roundhouse kicks the head. He does of a the complete octopus. spin around on one foot, roundhouse kicks the head off the octopus. It's so and he awesome. goes like basically like fuck you. It's so it's the most <laughs> awesome part of the movie. It's like definitely like the most Danny McBride thing that yeah, happens in the so movie. It's so sick. <laughs> and then they get on the ride, and Junior turns up the speed and makes them all throw up and it's honestly one of the most disgusting scenes ever committed to film it's one of the major set pieces of the film so we shouldn't just blow by it it's probably the most effects heavy sequence of the movie if you thought the sandlot vomit scene was a lot like this is i mean it is they are vomiting non-stop and oddly they all have the same color (laughs) and texture of vomit like everybody has eaten the same exact thing. Yeah, like they've all just eaten like a gallon of pancake batter, and then they're all just vomiting out this gray slurry. It's and like... then it, and, and like everybody's vomiting, and it's going everywhere, but they keep cutting the shots of the fat kid getting hit with vomit, and it becomes oddly sexual <laughs> because of the way that he's getting hit with, like splattered with vomit while he uh-huh. sits there and yells. Like, and eventually it starts to feel like you're watching something kind of pornographic, <laughs> like disgustingly. I mean, Ricky, you are like. 
like epically telling on yourself about how turned on you were getting watching this I little kid get vomited. On. I was just sort of like, it felt fetishized the way that he was getting splashed with vomit. Because it was just like you were just watching it happen over and over, over again, and, and he's like closing his eyes. And splashing like... him, splatting on him, <laughs> slapping him, and the sound. And like, it's just this wet, it's yeah. so thick of the and stuff that like keeps hitting of, him. It was like yeah, yeah, kind of grayish white. <laughs> creamy you know like it was fucked up it was really, it was fucked, really up. fucked up and there is then they do start throwing up on other people like there's a shot of two parents throwing up on their like toddler like they're bent over at the waist and, and there's like fire up. hoses of vomit coming out of their mouths and it's set up in no way like nobody has eaten anything bad <laughs> no, it hasn't no. been, there's been like no lead up it's like junior just walks over to the lever hits it and everyone's like Bleh. It's like there's a big like Bugs Bunny lever that says normal fast don't vomit. go too fast. It's like normal fast vomit. Yeah, and he just like pushes it all the way over yeah. and walks out of the frame. Like. Uh, and that that's probably the most memorable set piece of the movie, I think. Other than that, it's like a food fight, well, a honestly, doorbell, we, you, oh the cockroaches. Ricky, it was a full thirty-two minutes ago. Probably you were going to talk about the ending of the movie, which is the other big set piece, and we never actually got to it, and we. That's, that's true. the other big but set maybe, piece. But yeah. maybe that's good that we didn't get to it because like we set it up so well, and then we just like naturally pulled away into tangents, and then mm-hmm. other things. And, and then everybody, everybody's just like waiting for us to get to this ending. They're like, right? Oh, I, I you know, they keep teasing this ending. It's like, I know it's, it's gonna like, come. It's back. like J.J. Abrams's fucking TED talk about like, what's in the box. It's like Chekhov's ending. Yeah. We brought it up in the first act only to unleash it on you in the last. <laughs> How terrible is J.J. Abrams? I think he's really terrible. I think he's terrible, yeah. I think everything he does is really bad. Yeah, I think, he, I think, I, I, I think he's a really great example and maybe the first of like the sort of like post-post-modern mm-hmm. auteur which is just solely based off of marketing. Well, this is right? the thing. Like, like, this like is exactly attach what I was yourself say. to an original auteur. Attach yourself to an original great filmmaker, Spielberg, which he did with Super 8, and mm-hmm. then just ride the coattails of that onto what is just like corporate pablum yeah, right. that you can churn out off Supported of Supported by major, belt. major corporations yeah. that are like making huge amounts of money off of it. And like really what they want is what you're doing, even though what you're doing sucks. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he's basically like a marketing executive. He's not like a film director. And like you know the Rousseau I mean? brothers are like attempting to do that, like to sort of do the same thing. So Problem Child 2, I think it's like we were saying, it is like just a list of hijinks. Like you, you were going through the plot and you, you were correct, but it's also like very charitable to the film because it's not like it's going in a linear fashion like this. It's like there's a bunch of sketches of the kid doing bad stuff and then kind of a plot scene and then a bunch of sketches of the kid doing bad stuff. Well, the film to me seems like we talked about this while we were watching this movie. It felt like it was setting up a stepbrothers kind of situation. Right. Where Ben is going to meet this girl. Because he sees this girl literally this from woman. the car. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm, right I'm, in the first act. He's right. Seen, yeah. Like, right first in the first ten, act. Five yeah. minutes. He sees Amy Yazbek's new character. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 the problem child, too. Mm-hmm. They see them. And I was like, oh, it's going to be stepbrothers. Right. Where, like. And I thought that would have been so cool if they like it was Step Brothers and like Step Brothers clearly lifted <laughs> the and it would have been like so uh, such a gr- another reason to respect yeah. Step Brothers so like, much. What an amazing source to pull from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. So you think that like John Ritter is gonna like get with this woman and then like the two kids are gonna have problems with each other, are gonna you know prank each other, and then they're gonna co- they're gonna form a team. 
to save the parents well, or to do and something else. Junior will paradoxically find himself in the position of trying to be the good kid, you right. know, while the other, while the little girl is being even worse than him, you and know. And vice versa and yeah. so forth. But instead, the movie commits to, like, Ben's <laughs> story for the whole thing. Why? And I wonder, Why? like, was that... It's about John Ritter's romantic life. That's this entire movie. <laughs> like, Which is another reason to hate his character. <laughs> Like, I hate John Ritter's character. I mean, it's a testament to how likable John Ritter is that mm-hmm. I'm not, like, actively yelling at the screen because he's such a beta. He's such a... Uh, like, he... he, he okay, so basically, John Ritter eventually is getting married to this rich woman that we're talking about. In the film, we don't even ever see them go on a date. They meet once, and then she lives at his house, and then in the next scene, they're getting married. And never, ever have we seen them, like, go on a date or like each other or anything. Literally, all it takes is a woman to show up. Like, the first woman that he goes on a date with is the first woman that came with a pie. The second woman he goes on a date with is the second woman that came with a pie. There's a whole line of women there. He First and second woman, woman. Women. And then... And then on the first date, right? She says, my my ex is very jealous. Oh, right, The right, ex right. shows up. And Junior calls the ex, of course, right? Oh, does he? Yeah, that's how the ex shows up. Right. Junior calls him, yeah. The ex shows up, gets into a fight with John Ritter. John Ritter is about to win the fight, but the, girl, but the woman is like, how dare you hit him? And then all of a sudden cuts to the car, and like the woman is making out with her ex in the passenger seat. And John Ritter's driving them home. Yeah, Ricky, that's just called being a nice guy. Have you ever heard of it, huh? <laughs> but there are so many instances in the movie where you just kind of want, can you please give this guy, like, some agency over himself? <laughs> I mean, like, a woman shows up in his house who he's never met, redecorates the whole house. And, and he's, he's like, like, hey, thanks. She decorates the whole house, and he's, and then she comes over to him, and she's like, oh, man, like, you needs a woman. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Wow, she's such a lady. Wow, incredible. And it's like, no, she's a psychopath. And like, there, there's not a polite way to say this, and we were talking about this while you're watching the movie, but it's not as if they have cast an actress in this part who is like a knockout. You oh, know, no, this there's isn't... a scene where she like shakes her butt and walks away to like saxophone music, and you're wondering who is supposed to be tempted. <laughs> And you're supposed to be like, is this supposed to be funny because she's not hot? Or, But I, it seems like the movie does want you to think she's hot in that scene. But she's like, not at all. She needs, you know? she needs to be in some way hotter. It's not like it's like Christy Brinkley is like, it is this as part or something. Or you know? hotter than Amy Yazbek. Right, I mean, she's Amy Yazbek much is really less beautiful. than Amy Yazbek. Yeah. yeah. And this woman is like a fucking nerd. <laughs> she looks like a nerd. No offense to this but like she looks like she just like she just signed up for like ucb 101 yeah right she's got huge hair well i guess there is something to this character where it's like the rich lady and she's like kind of homely but she's not like super ugly like that's kind of, i think this is kind of like an archetype right you know and like she's lusting after you and Almost like you can give in because she's kind of cute, but then it's like, no, she's not. But what is he tempted by? That she decorated his home poorly? Because her decorations are terrible. She decorates Junior's entire room with clowns. And again, I'm sorry, did John Ritter not see Junior's room? And by the way, before this, Junior had this amazing custom-built kind of like space shuttle double-decker bed with like... 
video game joystick built into it. It was cool, and it was obviously very expensive. I just feel like the worst of fathers, not the worst of, excuse me, but like the most mediocre of fathers who just Are you going to describe the things that I do as a father now, Ricky? Is that, is who, that just, why? who just spent a road trip with his child would see that a stranger redecorated their child's room and the child doesn't like it and would be like, Hey, what the fuck is it? Like, get it out of here. Yeah. He didn't ask for this. All right. Well, you would do, at least you would be like, hey, so like, why did you do that? Like, you didn't, why didn't uh, you talk to me about that? To be honest, I would, I would be like that after I was like, get this shit the hell out of here. Shit the fuck out of here. I mean, I would kind of be like that. I, well, mean, I mean, Ricky, if we're talking about the reality, if I walked home and some woman I had never even been on a date with, apparently, had completely redecorated my house, yes, I would be like, you have to leave right now. Yeah. Like, I'm calling the police. Like, where's all my, where are all my stuff? things yeah where's all my stuff <laughs> like why yeah, where's like, <laughs> where's all my shit i have a girlfriend who's approaching moving in and she moves stuff around in the apartment and i'll be like well, i'm sorry what did you do with this <laughs> my fight well because i've lived in my apartment since i was like 22 so the thing i always have like when Catherine moved in how old are you now uh i'm older than that <laughs> so i she'll be like oh what if we move this thing over here and i'm like tried it in 2007 didn't work <laughs> I'm like, can't do it. Doesn't work. Trust me. I'm just telling. I'm just telling you the facts. Doesn't work. You know. Yes, I am. I am very similar. Like we can put that there, but I. I, I don't know if it's gonna work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, sure. Let's let's give it a try. Sure. So, Ritter in this movie is a beta cuck. Yeah, we've been dancing around it all night. He's a soy boy. He's a soy know. boy. He's like a pretty majorly a soy boy. And I will say Junior responds to him appropriately. <laughs> there are multiple moments where John Ritter talks in the movie and Junior gives him a look like, you little bitch. You what make is, me sick. Yeah, he really gives him a like, who is this little bitch? Because Junior is like such an alpha. Like such if you look alpha. at Junior wrong, he like murders your dog. Yeah, Junior's, like, Junior's, alpha, Junior's alpha male for sure. He, like, almost murders their neighbor, I think because the neighbor mentions having champagne, and somehow that makes Junior angry. Well, because he wants to hang out with Ben, and Junior wants Ben to himself. Right, 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 right. So he, like, somehow sabotages his grill, so he, you know, he, by all Classic rights, should have junior. been burned to death. Right. Classic Junior. Yeah. Um, Junior's a pretty bad kid, but actually, I was thinking about this. So I, last week, I was talking about how... Um, Robin Hood is a rebel, but he's actually essentially a conservative character. And I think in Problem Child 2, this is what you're seeing with Junior, is like, even though he is quote-unquote the problem child, all of his acting out is to enforce, like, pretty conservative standards of behavior. <laughs> like, he... Well, like, he doesn't want his dad to be promiscuous. Do you know what I mean? He only wants his dad to be, go out with his true love, you know? So he's trying to sabotage all these dates all the time. Oh, that's true, right? Yeah. That's true because he sabotages all the dates until he finds a woman that he thinks is appropriate for his father. Right, exactly, 100%. Yeah. And even the other stuff, like he throws the firecracker in the, in the toilet, that's the girl lights the firecracker. And in fact, Junior goes, what, are you crazy? And he throws it in the toilet and flushes it. And like he's trying to get rid of it and okay. stop it from going I off. I think we need to talk about that set piece like in, in detail. But go back and just retell that scene a little bit. Okay, so this does. Okay, so this is back to the sequence we keep talking about. We keep coming back to it. It's this the, is the one where the he Madeline. walks into the bathroom yeah. and he says, "Where is that little? I'm going to kill says, that little bitch." He's, uh, Ricky, what the line is: "The bitch must die." 
<laughs> it's so weird to hear a child say that in a child in a children's movie. It's really very unsettling. Extremely off-putting. So he he she's standing on the toilet like in a horror movie so that he can't see her feet. And Junior apparently realizes this and tricks her into thinking he's left the bathroom. So she jumps down and comes out and she goes she's basically going like what a maroon and Junior's right there and he's like remember me bitch and then she, they have some kind of back and forth that ends with her going, pulling out a, basically a stick of dynamite and lighting it on fire and being like threatening to kill the both of them, I guess, is is the in- inference of that. Right. She's like, I've got an M80. Right. Yeah. But in this fully half the size of her body. She's like, I've got an M83. Do you remember when you said about Problem Child 2, who is this for? <laughs> like, oh. People who can infer any cultural reference they want to whatever piece of dialogue <laughs> just to amuse themselves because the movie oh is boring. God. But yeah, but then so then he flushes it. He grabs it from her and says, what are you, crazy? And throws it in the toilet and flushes it. Then we cut to... To me, wait he's... no. Before we cut to that, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. We see the M83. I mean, if you don't mean to do it, you're doing it. It doesn't matter if you mean but to do it or not. But we see the like... M80 go into water. Yes. And f- go down, flushed into pipes in water. Yet the fuse stays continues lit. to burn. Right. Imagine and I... taking a candle with a wick that's lit. <laughs> And running water over it, and it's staying lit. Even just throwing it from your hand to the level of the toilet, it would go out, you know? It doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Like, I hate to put that on this movie, but it it is the one moment that is so far gone. But I was saying, too, this is the thing they do in The Simpsons also. The Bart Simpson lights a cherry bomb and throws it down the toilet. Like, this is kind of a cliche. Like, does this work with firecrackers? Can you do that with them? Should we try? (laughs) We, me and Do you, you have any? Yes, let's. We're at your I can, house, I so can, yes. I can. Yeah. I have a car. I'll go for a long drive. <laughs> I'll get us some very powerful fireworks. We'll go to a, an elementary school. <laughs> we'll sneak in. Me and you, two grown men. Yeah, we're, I'll bring Olive. I'll just say I want to take a tour. Yeah, you know? and then we'll go into the bathroom and we'll <laughs> and we'll light some of the, these fireworks and we'll throw Bro. them into toilets. I, you know, either way, I, I feel like I'll learn something. You know. I just don't think it would work. But anyway, you know, we cut to. We cut to the principal of the, or no, he's not the, the teacher. He's, he's, he's a teacher. He's a, hard, teacher? a hard-nosed teacher. Well, to me, Ricky, he'll always be the principal from He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> like Wow, that, I can't. Or a, I think he's a police detective, maybe. I can't in that. believe that's who he would. That's who he is to you. Yeah, but to you, of course, and many other people other than me. He is the man who utters the words, you screw up the, just this much, you'll be flying a cargo plane out of Hong Kong with a full of rubber dog shit. <laughs> he says, and when what and movie is this in? Says, what movie says, is this in? I can't, I can't believe it. You two guys <laughs> are going to Top Gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also lives a very long and happy life in Eternia. Like, after he decides he doesn't want to go back to Earth. He wants to live in Eternia. In He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Oh, I was like, where's Eternia? Did he quit acting? <laughs> he, that's so cool if he quit show business and it's went where to Castle Eternia. Grayskull is, Ricky. Like, what are you, like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, he lives in Astoria? He lives in Eternia? Wow, that's so cool. 
So he goes running to a toilet somewhere, but the M80 has gone through a pipe. Right, of course. And he sits down, and he gets Lethal Weapon 2 Danny Glovered mm-hmm. off of the toilet, and then we cut to him later at a school function. He's wearing a diaper. And yeah, yeah, this is actually much later in the movie, like to the movie's credit. One of the few things that gets a callback. Yeah, it's like a restrained callback. It's like, it's kind of like comedy writing, you know? like Kind of like screenwriting. Yeah, it's close, you know? Whereas the majority close. of this movie operates off of, and then this sketch, and then this sketch, and then this sketch. But I, I, I can't criticize it for that. It's fucking Problem Child 2. Like, I mean, what am I doing criticizing Problem Child 2 for screenwriting issues? <laughs> But you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm a parent, Ricky. Like, I have to take my child. I'm going to have to take my child to watch things, you know? No, you're not. <laughs> yes, of course I am. No, you're not. You no, I'll be closed. No, you think all movie theaters all will be closed? All movie theaters will be closed outside of retro. In like seven or eight years. Like retro houses, yeah. I will say it has been kind of rough the last couple of weeks. I've been like wanting to go out to the movies, but like, what is, what am I going to go see? Oh, right you now? didn't see In the Heights? <laughs> I actually did watch it, but on HBO Plus. Oh, you're one of those people. We Wait, did it. We did it for I, the other show. I really, really didn't want to watch it, and I hated it so much. What's the other show? So, what do you mean? Oh, my other podcast. Oh, how bad was it? How was it? It was awful. It was torture. It was really? literally torture to watch. It's Ricky. It's two and a half hours long. But the musical numbers aren't cool. No. <laughs> do you not like musicals? I like you musical- like musicals. I do kind of like musicals. Like, it's just it's just like a credit card commercial that keeps going and going and going. You know. Yeah, that was my fear. Yeah, and I kept and I and at first I was I was I was excited because I saw lots of reviews that were like it's really great, and then I started seeing reviews that were like, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I was kind of like, those are my people. I yeah. forgot I'm a misanthrope. Well, and the like, thing about I mean I think the thing the most charitable thing I will say about it is, it was very important when it at, at its point in history. I mean this is a movie this is a movie that's based on a play that went into previews in 2005, so it's like. It it changed the way Broadway musicals work and the way that musicals work in a lot of ways, you know, and it helped usher in lots of other stuff. But to watch it in 2021, it's like, what am I doing? You know, Have you ever seen that this? clip of Lin-Manuel Miranda at the, uh, like, I think it's at like some sort of DNC fundraiser going like uh, when Hillary was in 2016 going uh, Tim Kaine in the membrane. <laughs> yes, I have seen that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, dude. Well, did you see fucking loser? Did you did you see the forty year old version? Like, did you see this movie? I like that movie. Well, that's like explicitly. There's a whole section in that movie, like directly making fun of In the Heights, where they like it's like a hip hop musical yeah. at a at a bodega, and it's just sh- rea- it's all reaction shots of like eighty year old white millionaires going, oh, ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like I liked I liked. Three quarters of the forty-year-old version. Yeah. The last quarter. Well, I can never. There isn't a movie where somebody says their truth to an audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. That I can never get down with. You know. <laughs> um, and the audience doesn't immediately boo or walk away or no, they ask lo- them. They to, love it. Like, they eat ask it up. someone to stop. No. They you know, eat like it up. the idea that you would like break whatever wall you have created with the production and be like, this is my truth. And people would be like, oh, wow, this is amazing. is insane <laughs> and so unrealistic. 
audiences would immediately be like, no, put the go do the show. What are like, you talking about? Stop. Somebody would be like, do a song, and yeah. everybody would laugh, and you know. But even when it's not during the show, and it's like in a movie where suddenly a character starts like humiliating themselves, themselves, and like keeps going, like yet the end of Young Adult, where she's oh, at the party, yeah. and suddenly she starts like humiliating herself in front of everybody at the party, and they just watch her. It's like that's not what would happen. Someone would ask her to stop yes, immediately. And then everybody else would start going like, stop, yes. stop. Or fight her or tackle her. Like Nobody wants to feel my, that way. I, here's a story. My father gave a overly long speech at my wedding, and I was one of several people that started yelling at him to stop talking. <laughs> like, you know, on my at my actual wedding. Incredible. I, I was like, Dad. <laughs> Was it a nice speech, though? It was a nice. It was very nice and heartfelt. It was very sweet. And the thing was, he was doing this kind of thing where it looked like he was joking, where he was going like, "Okay, well, I've only got five pages left." That's but funny. he wasn't joking. That he he actually did have five pages left. Awesome, love <laughs> it. Um, so, uh, Junior, uh... <laughs> I love you struggling to think of where we might have left off in the plot. I have no idea where we left off in the plot. I, I mean, it's impossible. It's imp- who knows? Who knows where the movie is in the plot? I don't yeah. know. It, like you said, it's just a series of sketches. Eventually, Junior teams up with this other little problem child girl right. to like hook up his dad with this with Amy Asbeck, this nurse who we should say in the first movie, Amy Asbeck and John Ritter met in a read. And yes. John Ritter got to, left his wife and, and married Amy Asbeck. And you'll notice Amy Asbeck is the villain of the first movie, but kind of, you know, the romantic love interest of the second movie. So that's, I like that, though. I like yeah. when movies do, do well, It's like one of the most creative things, possibly the only yeah. creative thing going on in Problem Child 2. Yes. You know, and I, and I guess Gilbert Godfrey has another part, too, but he's not a different character. You know what scene we haven't talked about yet? <laughs> what uh, uh, set piece, if you will, that we haven't talked uh-huh. about yet? The Lemonade. Oh my god. Wait, I just want to oh, hold okay. on before we even get into it. Yeah, okay, yeah. The movie is called Problem Child 2. Mm-hmm. You're listening to this because you know what the Problem Child movies are. Even if you have not seen Problem Child 2, if I say to you the lemonade <laughs> the lemonade scene, everybody stop. Quiet. Pause. What do you think the lemonade scene consists what of? Possibly could be going on with the problem child and lemonade. What do you think? No. It's exactly that. Yeah. Yes. And it's probably even worse than you would possibly think. Because of the continuity error? <laughs> Which is so weird. Like, why a continuity error there? No, I don't know, dude. Yeah, so basically it's like he has another nemesis that are these two twin girls that are vaguely like the shining And they hate, they hate Junior. They're always being mean to Junior. But this is the other thing, too, about Junior is, like, they're being mean to him. Even though he's the problem child, he's the victim, okay? So he goes to their lemonade stand, and he's like, oh, can I get some lemonade? And then they're like, $2.00. Which apparently in the world of this movie is like an outrageous amount of money to ask for. He doesn't have two dollars. He's like, all I've got is a quarter. And they're like, well, hit the bricks, you piece of shit. It's two dollars. And then they're like, wait, we're out of lemonade. Like, if you go get us some more lemonade from the house, maybe we'll give you a glass for free. And as he walks away with the jug of lemonade, there's a very loud ADR sound of a zipper going off. Like as he reaches down at his like little boy pants, and then an extremely long peeing sound. And they they keep cutting to just like 
people around the world. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to what they're doing in this. Yeah, why do they cut? It's like a guy fishing in a boat is one of them. And like, they just keep cutting to these different, this different B-roll while he's peeing. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, I guess it's like emphasize how long he's peeing for, but it's not really doing that. But it wasn't. You know? I mean, maybe we were drunk, but I didn't get that impression. It's like so many things are happening in the world, and he's peeing for the whole time. I mean, I guess is what I'm... And then he fills the pitcher halfway up with his pee. Yeah, and it's this disgusting yellow color. And it's like there's no ice Yeah. when he, like, turns around from peeing. And then he walks into the next frame, and it's filled with ice. It's obviously a jug of lemonade that's been very watered down with a huge amount of ice. And then they're like, whoa, you only filled it half full. We, You don't get your glass now. And he's like, okay, bye. Which is the best impression you've ever heard of how this fucking kid talks. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Hey, can I have some lemonade? This kid is the star of two different movies. Never, and rightfully never anything again. Hey, come here, puppy. He's like, he's consistently like, Dad, can we go home? Look out for this one. Yeah, over and over and over again. Possibly the most irritating child actor ever committed oh my to God. I mean, it is like it is, it is like like The Simpsons talking about an obnoxious child actor yeah. or something, right? Yeah. It's really, really terrible. But he pisses in the jug, and then the girls feed it to their dad, and yeah. he l- fucking loves, loves it. it and loves it. He's and another and laughs. He's sitting in the tailgate of his dad's car, like literally maybe six feet away from where they are, and cackling, cackling like a monster. I just want to say to the people who listen to this podcast, nobody else listens to this podcast, and we do this for you. (laughs) We just watched Problem Child 2 for you. My new dog was growling at Chris because he's in my house. By the way, the dog is still under the blanket. You literally lulled her to sleep like some kind of... It was amazing to watch. Don't make me cry. (laughs) It was amazing to watch. Don't make me cry. You basically just, you like put her head in your hands and you were like, shh, it's okay. Sleep, sleep, sleep. (laughs) And then she went to sleep. (laughs) She loves me. Um, But, you know... Get your friends involved. Yeah. Please <laughs> rate and review I five would, stars. Really Please lo- subscribe. It would mean a would lot really to us. We really love like a viewership bump for the fucking misery great. of this and Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, I'm on record as liking that movie, but you know. I don't like, know if you, you uh, did you feel proven wrong by this week's <laughs> Twitter fiasco surrounding the movie? Oh my God. Yeah, I did see that I was definitely way out on a limb on that one. I didn't, you'll notice I didn't really take part in the discussion. <laughs> Yeah, but it was really terrible to watch. It's it's an awful movie. It didn't make any sense. It's very much for children, like very, very much for children, like in a way that nothing happening in it makes any sense. And it seems like there's scenes missing all the time where you're like, there must have been a scene here where something happened that they just cut out, you know? And there's also that idea that that feeling, that icky feeling that comes with... Uh, what's the last movie that we watched with like a bunch of teenagers? Oh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's <laughs> Dead. That icky feeling of like, I, I just don't like all these kids around this. There's something cynical <laughs> like about the world of this movie. Yeah, like, there's something demonic and cynical, cynical about like the making of this and, and the people and 
Well, I will say, honestly, like... This it, less so than Don't Tell Mom, I will say. Well, because if this was actually made at Universal Studios Orlando, I mean, that's about the safest place probably to do something like this, because... What are you talking about? Don't you think? Because it's like, it's a fucking theme park, you know? Florida? Kids? No, uh, Disney? It's a, it's, it's a very Studios? controlled environment. It's a very controlled environment. I Wait. I feel like I'm talking to someone who's was molested and is saying this to themselves now. Who's like telling who's like no no it's actually very <laughs> Look, it's good. fine. It's actually good. It yeah, was actually exactly. cool That's what happened. What like it was actually good. really cool. Yeah. He was actually It's like, actually a special no, secret was, that we have, so it's really cool. And like, you know, yeah, we shared something really special. We shared something and like, really special. Look, I learned yeah. a lot and like if it wasn't for him I wouldn't have I wouldn't be who I am. I now. wouldn't be who I am today. Exactly. It helped. It would help make me who I am. Yeah, what you know? the fuck are you talking about? Orlando, Universal Studios, Disney is like I know, a and safe like Lou, space for kids. Like Lou Pearlman. Lou Pearl. Yeah. What yeah, are you exactly. talking about? Yeah, right. They were just parading around malls there and being like, "We'll take your kids to the amusement park and like give them a job on a show." Somehow oh my this God. never it's happened like a, to me, Ricky. It's like the say, boulevard like, of like in a childhood innocence just trampled upon. It's like the, the the boards of the boulevard are made of childhood. Look, Ricky, as as somebody who spent a lot of time at Universal Studios Orlando, as as a fan, he spends a, a lot fan, of time. Right, as not a fan, as someone right. who was getting like picked up at the mall. As somebody who stood in line to watch the big red couch or the yeah. big orange couch on Nickelodeon, like yeah. yeah. Everything's fine. It's it's the land of dreams, you yeah. know, and everything's Except perfect. You weren't going backstage into the green rooms. <laughs> I did one time go backstage at Guts, but no one was there. It was a guy who had a crush on my sister, and like, how old was? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. He was like a forty-year-old PA, and he was like, "I got." He's like, "Hey, I can get you backstage at Guts." <laughs> yes, basically that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Okay, can I bring my little brother?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, okay, all right." Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I know. yeah, sure, I can introduce him to someone." <laughs> Does he like want to be in the biz? Yeah. This is my friend Lou. Lou, look at this kid. Isn't he beautiful? Hey, kid, what are you into? <laughs> I did meet Lou, Pearl, Lou Pearlman one time. Did you really? Yeah, when I was at my first PR job, he came in with some boy band that he... It was like a Latino boy band that he was trying to run, and this was like 2006, maybe. And they had a camera crew with them, quote-unquote, filming a documentary about the band, you know? And he, I don't know, it was just like he was wandering around the office talking to everyone and like with this crazy camera crew and these like five 15-year-old Latino boys with him. And, uh... Oh my God, this is depressing. <laughs> Ricky has like, like something has happened to you. Like during the time I was telling this story. I look like, I, I, I love movies so much uh-huh you know and it is a because acting is like a weird talent that doesn't really mean anything it's a meat industry it's a meat market and it, and and the fact that it can so easily be and was for so long like that kind of meat market is just so sickening and terrifying to me right like these kids like think like oh finally my talent's being recognized you know it's why watching don't tell mom the babysitter's dead more so than this because it don't tell mom to me was such a joyless movie 
Whereas like this was at the very least there was like sketches and hijinks and mm-hmm. it was like fulfilling its premise and there was like seemingly some fun had by people. <laughs> You know, whereas Don't Tell Mom, it was just like, everybody feels miserable on this movie. <laughs> Something bad was happening backstage. And then it come to find out there was like a 14-year-old smack addict backstage. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're having to cut large parts of the script out because the 14-year-old actor was nodded out on heroin. Trauma- I'm traumatized by that idea. Though I love Bully, which is crazy because that, <laughs> that is also a movie. Bully. Yeah, right. But at the very least, that movie has the bravery to be that yeah that's what it's about yeah like, textually it's not this idea of like look at this fun movie about teens having a good time <laughs> meanwhile backstage they're like shooting up and like uh it's like full cronenberg maps to the stars but this is what i mean about there being something wholesome about this movie more wholesome than the first problem child it's filmed at a theme park the problem child's antics are all essentially conservative would and you have known that it was filmed at a theme park if we didn't watch the whole credits? No, because, I would never have known it in a million years. Because I thought there was no, going to be like I a post-credit sting where the kid was like, hey, you're still watching the movie? Get yeah. out of here. Ricky thought the problem child was going to get invited to the Avengers, so we had to watch the whole credits. <laughs> yeah, I thought the problem child was going to show up and be like, Thor's coming out. Just kidding. Or maybe not. I'm sorry. That's your... It's my idea of a Marvel movie sting. That's your impression of a Marvel movie sting. Yeah. Thor's coming out, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, fine. Well, no, Marvel movie sting is like they look at the camera and they're like, what are you expecting, Thor? And then cut. <laughs> no, the Marvel movie sting is like the the glowing box vibrates and it go and uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is like it's not supposed to do that unless there's another one nearby. And then it does it again. And then he looks at the camera and then cut, you know, I'm, I'm not joking. I think I might commit suicide when you leave my apartment (laughs) just because you told me that. And like, I felt it in my bones. That's how it works, dude. It's been a while since I've watched a Marvel movie. It used to be my job to have to watch some of those movies. And I was, I, I was able to kind of like, shut it out you know like just kind of go blank uh-huh you know like just some, kind of you know, go to some, your like go disassociate yeah a little just bit. totally disassociate <laughs> i was able to kind of do that when i watched those movies and now like it's been a while and just hearing about those stinks they used to have to wait for those things so i could bring them up right, in interviews sure, of course and now that i don't have to do it like hearing about it, i'm just like it makes me it makes me want to fucking die <laughs> Did you, did you watch did you watch the loki show God, did you watch the loki no, show i don't even you have disney the loki plus show? i didn't have disney plus ricky can i ask you an important question sure did you watch the loki show i don't have disney plus right but did you watch the loki show i no, because i because i one i don't have disney plus and two because i started to see write-ups i was like loki's gender fluid and i was like fuck off <laughs> fuck off i will definitely say i did not get that from watching yes, Loki. stop I didn't get it that. like Stop falling for these marketing <laughs> schemes. Look, as somebody who does marketing schemes, I will say I disagree with that. Everybody should continue falling for marketing schemes constantly. But the identity politics marketing schemes are like not helping anybody. They're not helping anything. You know, they're like irritating people. They're helping people watch Loki on Disney Plus. That's what they're helping. Right. Look, if you're a person who is like you know, non-binary and you watch Loki, and you think it's, like, somehow gender fluid, that's great. 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 But, like, they didn't mean to do that. And, like, you're just looking for some sort of 
thing to relate to that is superhero based because to be honest you don't really have the like mental capacity to relate or care about anything outside of the superhero genre so you're taking table scraps they're not even table scraps you're taking you're taking nothing from this behemoth corporation that could give a fuck about you that donates to all of the politicians who want to fucking dominate and oppress you so if you think loki is somehow gender fluid like i I, i'm so sorry like go back to the 90s go back and watch some like real rebel queer filmmakers who were like when like being that shit was illegal and like that's what they were going for and like trying to be transgressive what you're dealing with now is like oh my god it's like someone watching home improvement in 1994 and being like al's gay did you ever did you know like the reason that we don't the reason that we don't see the reason that we don't see Wilson's face is because he's trans. And this is a real pro trans show because I we mean, don't see Wilson's face. Like what are you talking about? No they have no interest. They don't care about you. It's interesting because I see this through kind of a different lens this kind of stuff. Going to call all of this. Yeah, of course. Why would you what do you want to you want to ever have a job again, Ricky? Um no, but like because I'm, because I'm somebody that does like online writing, so I always see things like this through not like somebody's falling for marketing, but it's like some person out there wants to desperately write a piece that is going to be popular. Yes, you know, and like that is so it. it's like, that's the it's they like don't Marvel even Marvel trans right exactly hundred percent gender right, right? exactly like, that's it. Yeah. yeah, and I like a surprising take, you know, highly shareable, you know, yeah. that's it, and I don't. R- like, what percentage do they believe what they're saying? Hard to say. You know what I mean? Like, some percentage, I guess. The best I could say is they thought of an argument they felt like they could make. You know? Like... Did you see Anthony Mackie's quote about, like, the characters in The Falcon and the Snowman or The, no, the Falcon and the I, Winter Soldier? Whatever the fuck the name of that show is. I don't know. I hate it so much. I just hate that shit. Uh, that is the one thing I didn't watch at all. I watched like 10 minutes of the first episode and I was like, this is not for me 100%. I cannot watch this. None of, you shouldn't even have Disney Plus. Except for your child. I have a child, you know. Yeah. I watch DuckTales with Olive every Saturday morning. That is great. Yeah. And that, my old Simpsons I watch on it too. Is that on Disney Plus? Yeah, all the Simpsons from all time, yeah. Fair enough, that's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I might just torrent it. But, uh, <laughs> I will say like, uh, you know, he gave some quote that was kind of like, oh, everybody wants to consider these. It was actually kind of honest in a way, right? It, it, because he was saying that, like, everyone was saying, like, oh, these characters are gay. And, like, that's where their friendship comes from. And Mackie gave some statement that was like, they're not gay. Stop trying to attribute sexuality to everything. Like, mm-hmm. And he, he's like, homosexuality is like a pure, beautiful thing. Which is like him just trying to, like, sidestep saying that right. they're not gay and try to... But whatever. At the very least, he was like, they're not gay. And it's like, that should be okay. They're not gay. That they're not gay. Yeah. Oh, did he get like in trouble for saying that? Was that like a big deal? I don't know. Some people were kind of like, it's not a very genuine statement. And it wasn't. It was a very roundabout statement, you know. But Because well, he was basically demanding to put out a statement that his character wasn't gay. And his whole team is telling him like, you really shouldn't do that. Go. Just let it go. It's actually really good for you if people think this. And, but he's like demanding to do it, so it's like been walked back so heavily, yes. even in the initial statement. But I think like with Loki, you know, they're like, oh uh, yeah, maybe he is gender fluid. <laughs> Shut the fuck 
Uh, Why is I don't know? He's an alien. Because he? he's like he a fucking god. No, he's like a god from Asgard. You know, he wears like big crazy god robes and stuff. I don't, you know. Oh, just hearing that. And they're like crazy head pieces, and he's got long hair, you know. But it's just like he's a crazy Norse god, you know. That's how they are, <laughs> you know. He looks so tired get, hearing all of this. He looks get, so tired. Get a life, everybody. Like, <laughs> just like, I mean, I watch bad movies all the time. Like, I love bad movies. I watch sleazy movies all the time. I mean, sleazy movies are your bread and butter, Ricky, 100%. But at least they're, like, ostensibly about, like, people. <laughs> even if they're not. Well, even if I they're think a lot of times. Cardboard cutout characters. They're about people. This idea that, like, you know, we have to cloak everything in superheroes so everything is analogous rather than actual right. is just so depressing. Get a fucking life. At the end of this podcast, 30 years later, we do uh, three questions. We tried to figure out more to do. We haven't. Oh, are we supposed to be thinking about that? Should I? We've should talked I think about of... thinking about that, and we haven't. Well, it was like a year ago we talked about doing. I more. know we just have we never came up with more. I didn't come back to the question. I'll think about the it. The first so. question that we asked is, "What was your favorite part of the movie?" Okay, so my favorite part of the movie. There's a running set you piece we didn't end, fucking kill you. quite get to. It's the very end of the movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's a. It is related to the end of the movie, but I'll save it for you. But there's a part, so we didn't even talk about any of this, but like John Ritter's dad, who's was like the villain of the first movie, moves into his house in this movie. And he's got a little dog that's like a, a terror, I guess, but we don't ever see it do anything bad. There's a scene where Junior hypnotizes the dog, and then he's telling it to like attack Big Ben. But then when he's done hypnotizing it, the dog has become a, like a stuffed toy dog, and he's like... Or not, you're not like a toy, but it's like a obviously fake. And he's like, "What happened to the dog?" And the dog is like, "I, I actually thought that was a funny gag. I thought that was a funny gag, and I enjoyed it." I enjoyed it more when when <laughs> he first hypnotized the dog, and the dog before Big Ben saw the dog. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. When he yeah. first did it, when he first does it, it's like kind of funny, you know. This isn't my favorite part of the movie, but my second favorite part of the movie is when Big Ben is like the truth tell becomes the truth teller of the movie <laughs> and says the only thing that is truth in the movie which he says my son's a loser you're a psycho and they're cutting they're cutting here. between so the sequence starts with junior's inner monologue and ricky says oh fuck yeah they're gonna do dueling inner monologues and then they cut to john ritter's inner monologue and you went oh fuck yeah <laughs> and and they're both having these like pansy on the note, you know, they're just having their regular thoughts. And then it cuts to Big Ben's inner monologue and he's going, These fucking losers. I gotta get the hell out of here. <laughs> like He's like, My son's a loser, this kid's a psycho, and I was like, He's right. Yeah, he's right. He's hundred percent right. He's the only person that has his head on his shoulders. He's having a whiskey in his bathrobe, like on the porch by himself, obviously at like one in the morning. And he's just thinking like, These fucking lunatics, I gotta get out of here. Um, my other favorite part of the movie is the end. <laughs> right. Please tell us why. Why? So Ricky. the end of the movie is uh, Big Ben's dog has awoken from his uh, hypnotized slumber and has become started shitting like three foot piles of shit, <laughs> literally. And the dog is like a small, like like a dachshund. Like a do- yeah. Yeah. I don't know what kind of dog. Dachshund. Yeah. And uh, at the end of the movie, uh, through a series of whatevers. 
<laughs> Big Ben, you know, the, the, the father of John Ritter, ends up, you know, kissing the, the, the wife that Ben was supposed Wait, to marry. I, 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 I don't want to derail you too long, but can I just say, I mean, I think please, it's important to derail me because I'm way off the rails already. I, so we, the sequence you're about to describe is at the wedding where John Ritter is supposed to marry the, the rich lady. She is run over by, quote unquote, the love rock, which seems to be a giant model of the moon with a heart cut into it, which the children have inexplicably prayed to the night before and then slept on a bench in front of it. <laughs> like, and this has never, ever been introduced at all before in the movie. But they're praying to it that their parents will get together, right? And then somehow they bring it to the wedding with a fucking backhoe, and they it rolls down the aisle like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and crushes the the nasty rich lady. Yes, and Ben, Big Ben, picks her up from after she's been crushed, and he says, "I love you," because she's rich and he wants a rich woman in his life. And then uh, they throw in the the two problem children throw an M80 into a cake, which sends the cake shoot rocketing over onto them, and then. The dog sh- like with visible rocket power yes. coming out of the bottom, like several rockets. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. And then the dog shits in front of them and they go, oh, my. <laughs> and there's a pile of shit the size of the dog. And then it cuts from that, from the pile of shit and them smelling it to a walking off into the sunset, basically <laughs> shot of John Ritter and his new girlfriend and the two kids to uh, a song that is called like Love Will Conquer All or yeah, something. Yeah, it's basically the song is like the power of love. Yeah, <laughs> and they're but, it's like, like, but it's like immediate. There's like no wait. It's like a pile of dog shit. End of the movie. It's like they're the 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 dad, Big Ben and the rich lady are being held together by a ring of cake. They're covered in cake. You hear this disgusting shit sound. You see the shit. You cut back to them and they go, Oh my! And then just yeah. The power of love. And this is what you watch Problem Child 2 for, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, this is <laughs> I mean, this, this is, is the moment. This is the pure Problem Child 2 shit right we, here. This is where yeah. we were wounded because I thought I was drunk, which I was, <laughs> yeah, were, but I yeah, could but... not believe that it cut so quickly to, like, the power of love credits <laughs> from the dog shit. <laughs> There was nothing else there. The movie had been wrapped up at that point. It was you know, done. what else it is there to say, done. Ricky? The movie's wrapped up. Everything's wrapped up. You know, you could really feel like, yeah, yeah, wrap it up, wrap it up. Okay, like, yeah, it's done. It's done. It's done. It. It's like, and so then we get to this point, and then it's basically it. Then we're done. Basically, basically, it's all done. You know. Next question, I feel like it's gonna be pretty hard for you. <laughs> Me too. What is the most 90s thing about this movie for you? Well, Ricky, I do have an answer for this. It's not good, but my answer is before the nasty rich lady redecorates John Ritter's house, John Ritter and Junior are living in this like palatial house in Mortville, this two-story house with a fireplace. It's gigantic, right? But the interior of it is so 90s, and it was like my house in the 90s in Florida. It has like white walls, some kind of teal carpet i want to say and then there's like turquoise blue tile around the fireplace uh you know set off against the white 
of the walls. And I was like, this is the most 90s looking mansion I've ever seen in my life. Like, this is very, very 1991. Um, Interesting. You don't think that's an 80s mansion. You think that's a 90s mansion. I do think it is very 1991. I do. I think it's very 1991. Okay. Yeah, what do you got, you piece of shit? You got something? Uh, yeah, I think the most 90s thing about this movie was that it was shot on the lot of Universal <laughs> Studios Florida, which is like the most 90s oh my God. location yeah. of the 90s in America. I did. I was talking about this earlier, but I did go to see the big orange couch there for Snick and like... Yeah. Yeah, I used to go there a lot. I used to live in Orlando. I saw. I went know. to the Jaws ride there. Oh yeah, I've been to the Jaws ride. Yeah, I used to go to um, Halloween Horror Nights every year. That's more like when I was a teenager, though. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, you ever fun. do that? Yeah, I would love to do that this year. Like a haunted hayride. That sounds fun. Halloween Horror Nights—they turn the I whole thing into a haunted house, you know. And there's like guys running around with chainsaws with like the blades taken out, and they like run at you. Yeah, that's what yeah. a haunted hayride is. They come up to the side of the. You know the 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 wagon that you're on, and like, and they hit it, and they and they go, ha 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 ha. <laughs> oh no, they're being scary, and they like it. Yeah. Oh no, that's awful. Uh, okay, last question, uh, because I think we went on much longer than much we expected longer. to. Much longer. Um, you know, we've grown out of a lot since 1991, 30 years ago when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. So, what have we grown out of oh, from this gosh. movie? Well, you know, Ricky, the movie has a lot of hostility and a lot of like a dark, negative, violent energy at its core, I feel like. And I and I think there was a lot of this in the 90s where I think we talked about this with the first problem trial, the idea of like the kid as some kind of murderous chaos agent. And it's essentially something very dark is at the heart of it. You Joker. Know? <laughs> the kid is Joker. Problem, is problem, child, child the pro- OG jo- the OG Joker. Problem, child is Joker. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, OG Joker in terms of Joker now, not Joker pre like you know Batman Adam West. I heard that Joaquin Phoenix watched both Problem Childs just back to back over and over again, preparing for Joker. Yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, Marty, call me Joker. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, mom. <laughs> Does he have a mom and Joker? I forget. My meds are running out. You're my girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What? It, yeah. That was your answer for what we've grown out of? It was yours. It was mine. It's I don't yours. know. <laughs> well, that's great. Good job, me. My answer is... Uh... Honestly, a child calling another female child a bitch. <laughs> well, this is what I mean, too. This is what I mean. And you just sounded like the kid from the movie. This is what I mean, too. This is what I mean, too. Um, yeah, I am sensitive to that because I do kind of talk like this little kid. Uh, like. uh, yeah, it's that it's the fact that the kid calls a, a, a little girl a bitch. <laughs> which is just like, I just don't think you would do that in a, a, in a children's movie. Yeah. In a children's movie, I don't think you would do that. In a children's movie, a male character says, the bitch must die. Now, let me ask you a question. Sure, I would love it if you did. Maybe it being like a gendered slur Mm -hmm. is not okay for a children's movie. I don't want that. But, I mean, even that. Like, shouldn't stuff like that be in... Children's movie, 
movies for like slightly older children. Which part of it should be in a children's movie, Ricky? Like, I mean, I remember watching the Bad News Bears growing up. Sure, yeah. And loving that movie. And I didn't really get all the jokes when I was young. But when I got older and I got all the jokes that I didn't get when I was younger, I loved the movie so much more. Well, I'm not saying there shouldn't be anything in it that an adult would get and a child would get. But here's my get. question. Are there movies now for children that children will get the jokes of when they're adults and appreciate? Yeah, I think, if anything, we've gone too far in that direction. Like, every children's movie is packed full of jokes that are just for the parents. Well, I just watched um, like, The Mitchells versus The Machines, for example. Uh, and that has that a. Shit? Yeah, I did. I watched that shit, yeah. I was like Saturday afternoon at home with my tiny child, you know, and I just. Yeah, we did. I did. I did. I did do it, Ricky. I That's did. That's the life that you live. Yeah, I watched the Mitchells versus the Machines on in the middle of the afternoon. I chilled with my dog last night and watched the Long Kiss Goodnight. It was sick. That's cool. That sounds good. Did you guys kiss afterwards? Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, of course I've seen the Long Kiss Goodnight. It's so good. <laughs> I had never seen it. I don't know if it is so good. It's pretty awesome. And I haven't seen it since like 1997. One of the or last whatever. lines of the movie is Gina Davis shooting someone with a machine gun and saying, die screaming, motherfucker. <laughs> die screaming, motherfucker. What a line to end oh a movie on. God. She slides down a line of Christmas lights. So basically, there's a guy hanging from a line of Christmas lights on fire from like two minutes before. You've kind of forgot about him, except we keep cutting to him in a weird way. Mm-hmm. right? But he's like on fire hanging from this line of Christmas lights. And there's a helicopter shooting a machine gun at her. And the best way that she can think to get them is that she sees the gun that's dangling from the guy on fire. And she kicks something which sends the guy on the line of Christmas lights down on her. She jumps on the other side Mm. and goes up while he comes down. She grabs the gun and then shoots the guy in the helicopter and as he falls on the tanker that's about to explode, she says, die screaming, motherfucker. <laughs> and then she slides down the Christmas lights, breaking them off as they like, as she slides down. That is fucking awesome, man. Like, I, I, I had problems with the movie oh here God. and there in the second act. But like that, that ending alone, <laughs> I was kind of like, God damn, you could never, like you would never see anything this awesome in a movie right now. Die screaming, motherfucker? That's so sick. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah it is. It's sick as hell, dude. Yeah, it is good. <laughs> this has been 30 years yeah, later. Great. What a great episode. <laughs> great to talk about Problem Child 2. Probably for at least 30 minutes of this an hour and 40 minutes that I we should, recorded. I just post it as is, I think. <laughs> you definitely should not do Why? that. <laughs> Wait, if I do cut it, Say right now, out loud, for the end of the show, what you think I have said that should be cut. I wasn't paying attention that much, Ricky. Like, don't ask that of me, please. That's very rude. Cut. (laughs)